Patreama. Oh, I bet you thought you were going to hear us say drama, but I'm also here to tell you about Patreama by Drama with Connor and Dylan McDowell. It's our Patreon page. What you do in theater, pop culture, love, and life aren't enough. Are you missing a little extra Connor and Dylan in your life? Well, we have an answer for you, and it's on our bonus content platform. You've heard of Patreon, but when you take Patreon and you combine it with drama, you get Patreama. Listen, two to five bonus episodes a month mm. with us talking about reality TV, yes. us doing deep dives into the Tony Awards, yes. Taylor Swift's Evermore album, and there's also tons of exclusive interviews, extended episodes That's right. with little quickfire Q&As. You can look at the gorgeous faces of many of our past guests. Recent ones include Anthony Lee Medina, Constantine Rizzuli. What are you waiting for? I don't know. Like, literally, what are There's they waiting for? There's a link for? right in the episode <laughs> notes. You just click it. You sign up. It's $5 a month. Skip your OnlyFans. Skip your extra Starbucks that week. Literally that week. And support us. Support drama. And you will be all the better for it. Let's keep this podcast going, y'all. All, all right. right. On to the, the show. show. Press play. Curtain up an hour in. It's time to taste in. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got on the option? No, I'm not well. What, what star will, will we talk, talk to today? today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, Love and life in, in New, New York, York City, City and, and the world. The world. I'm Connor McDowell and I am Dylan McDowell, and we have a very special episode coming your way. When we say "and the world," we truly mean the world. The world. I know. Oh my across god! Across the pond, some might say. I'm gag. This is our only our second ever guest that is from across the pond. That's right, but not our third on the books. That's right. This is like a little tease here. But yeah, anyway. for those who've been following us for a long time, we had Jordan Luke Gage from the musical and Juliet from the West yes. End last summer. God, that was, can you believe that was last June? No. I mean, it, time has been such a strange concept this year. I really can't believe it. You know what's so weird? We have these new microphones. I can actually hear myself in my own ears now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, at first I was like, oh, if I get a new microphone, I won't sound so tinny and like, whatever. No, it's still there. It's just my voice, I think. Stop. That's so not crazy. true at all. Wait, so, so this week we had the Grammys. I think we just want to jump in and talk about that for a second. I know, which they probably presented like, what, five awards in the course of I four know. hours. It I will say they, they finally got it right this year with many of the categories. I think so yeah. often it feels very, I don't know, random, but... I mean, last year, Billie Eilish won. She won, like, everything last year. And then she won again this year. And that was so annoying when she won uh, Record of the Year. And she was, like, only talking to Megan Thee Stallion. I know. And it was kind of like, wait, there are other amazing artists nominated, too. It felt, I don't know, it felt misguided. I agree. And then today she revealed that she has been wearing a green wig for years. And she's, is that a blonde wig now? I'm confused. It is a blonde wig. Or it's just her actual hair. I don't know. But all I had to say to that was wig. <laughs> I know, Dylan. What was your favorite Grammys moment? And then we'll we'll bring in our guest. Well, my favorite Grammys moment and performance was 100% Harry Styles, who, you know, for those those of you who are just tuning in, Connor and I are we're um long-suffering directioners. We've we've uh we followed them for a long time and seeing him finally get a Grammy was amazing. And Nile Niall is next. I know He's, it. Wait, do you remember the summer that we I don't even know how we illegally streamed the UK X Factor to mm-hmm. watch the whole the whole journey, journey of One Direction being put together. We watched it like twice. I think that right? was our us dipping our toes in of becoming Anglophiles. I would, I 
actually, I agree. That's that's our mm-hmm. Ring of Keys moment. It is for, for a life of British. Yes, a life of British. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Dylan, so fun. But yeah, the Grammys were good. Do you have a favorite moment from the Grammys? Well, I will say I had like kind of a vaguely least favorite moment, which is that, I mean, Taylor Swift is my favorite artist. So I was, of course, gagged that she won album of the year for Folklore, which was yeah. the musical moment of 2020. Mm-hmm. But I mean, and I don't really care about lip syncing that much, but she completely lip synced her entire performance. And it just felt kind of, it, it was like overtly obvious. And we know she can sing live. So I think that's also why... It was strange. It, it was I like, agree. It's strange because she released that documentary, Miss Americana, where she was singing live throughout most of it. And then we also had the Long Pond Studio Sessions where she sang live in ways. In ways. And so this, this Grammy's performance felt a bit warped, as we like to say. It did so much so that I almost thought the performance was pre-recorded in its entirety. But I guess it was probably just the sound mixing. Yeah, but. maybe. Maybe so. What do I know about audio and recording? Anyway. We were on the topic of British reality shows with yes. Harry Styles, X Factor, and our guest today rose to fame from one as well. No stranger to a British reality show. I think it's time to bring him in. It's, it's time. time. Oh my God. Wait, do you remember when we had Jordan Luke Gage on and we started with London Calling? <laughs> I do. The oh same goes today. The same goes today. But okay. Our guest today is here to show us what baking can do. You know this cheerful and charming Yorkshire star as the winner of the 10th anniversary series of the Great British Bake Off in 2019. After a season of his creative, healthier, and spice-filled bakes, our guest was the recipient of one of only four Hollywood handshakes that year, as well as slayed the technical challenges across the board. His genius in the tent has expanded beyond reality television as he published my first cookbook last year. You can soon get Good to Eat, his second book this spring. Before becoming a breakout star around the globe, our guest is a certified healthcare worker having administered COVID vaccines and has traveled the world as a nurse to Malawi, Papua New Guinea, Ethiopia, and beyond. He's a health advisor, drag race super fan, and is engaged to a gorgeous Bulgarian man. We are so excited. Please welcome to drama, David Atherton. Thank you, guys. It's so exciting to be here. Oh my goodness. We are so delighted. It is so nice to meet you. I still find it so strange, this thing where we can speak with so much distance involved. Um, But I kind of now feel from hearing your voices, I feel like I'm in New York with you. Oh, yep. We're we're connected. Now we'd like to ask all of our guests, are you well? But I want to also ask, how's your head, hon? So strange. Uh, We were just watching Miss Fame um in that series that season of drag race just last night and we were finding it so hilarious Uh, i am not so great at the moment because i've got COVID currently um but i'm hopefully coming at the tail end of it it's actually it's been a bit harsher than i thought um but i don't have fevers anymore um, and I'm just starting to feel a little bit better. And and you, of course, you're a nurse, a healthcare professional. And I actually read that you've had uh, malaria a few times. So you, you're no stranger to to uh, illness, I suppose. Yeah, this actually feels, I've had malaria nine times. This feels quite a lot like malaria with the, the fevers. Um, but a lot of people are having it so much worse. So I do feel quite lucky as well. Wow, I'm so sorry, David. Did you lose like your sense of taste or smell or anything? Yes, that has been the most bizarre thing. I totally lost my sense of taste. Um, I was, every day I keep on testing it. I go to the condiments in the cupboard and get tomato ketchup or um, some vinegar to see if it's come back and still nothing. It's it's very strange because you kind of have some shadows of flavors. I think because you know what something should taste like, uh, but yeah, it's completely gone. Oh my God. That's so wild considering you're someone who, you know, baking, cooking is something that's very much a part of 
who you are, at least to us, and to not have your your wild spices and everything that you love to add to food, to even be able to taste them is probably truly insane. Yeah, and quite difficult for recipe testing as well. Uh, it's not been so bad just yet, um, but it could be a disaster as long term. Because some people, they don't get their taste back for a long time. I'm hoping it's going to come back pretty soon. Oh, I hope so too. I hope so. Oh my God. David, I was thinking the other day about... It was like a year ago now that I started binge. It was like we went into quarantine and in the U.S. And I started binge watching Bake Off. You see, U.S. Netflix, we have one called The Beginnings, which is the season where John won or the series where John won. And then the rest of it is all like everything else. And so it was truly like a year ago now that I knew who you were. And those early days of quarantine where I was filled with such comfort watching all of those the different seasons of you guys. And a year later, we're here talking with you. It's just crazy. Yeah, I think a lot of people have found, I've had so many messages on Instagram of people saying that they've come to Bake Off um, or the baking show, as you call it in America, yes. from uh, during quarantine and how it's been one of those things that's been a bit like a warm hug because um, obviously quarantine has been quite harsh and horrible. Uh, and this TV show is a particularly nice one. <laughs> I think that's what it's known for, isn't it? So it's a nice thing to watch um, when you go through a tough time. Yeah, no, absolutely. So soothing. And I mean, I even just rewatched some of it too, because I was like, I- I'll put it on whenever I have any sort of stress relief. When did you first start watching Bake Off? I didn't watch the very first series, I don't think. Or not, I mean, I've seen it, but I didn't watch it at the time. Um, but it wasn't. it wasn't very big in the UK. It was definitely... I mean, I've heard rumors from the TV production company uh, that it was kind of quite an, a left field program. And there was the presenters at the time were employed and um, they'd had a TV show fall through and they were contracted. So they're like, oh, we'll just throw them this one instead. Um, and then it just became huge. Uh, so I was a fan through, because another thing you might not know in America is it was on the BBC, which you all know of. Mm-hmm. It was on the BBC right through until the last few seasons um, and it moved to a different channel, which there was quite a lot of controversies about that. I loved it at the BBC. I loved the hosts, um, Mel and Sue in particular. And yeah, they're great. So when it went to Channel 4, I wondered whether it would still be the same. But then it really didn't lose its magic. So then, yeah, I continued watching it. So I'm, yeah, I've been a fan the whole time. Yeah, and now why did it change networks? I, I'm a little bit more of a novice. I've actually only seen the 10th series, so the season that you've been on. But um, the best one. The best one. In my eyes, it will always be the best one when I move on to the other ones. <laughs> it's like it's like the first season of Drag Race you watch. It's like the one that it'll, even if others tell you it wasn't the best season or something, it'll hold a special place in your heart. Ironically, that's season Definitely. seven for me, which you're working on right now. That was the one that I started on, but I digress. I was asking Connor all about like, oh, I, I remember like Mary Berry being a character on Snatch Game and, and different people like that. So I was I was unfamiliar, but I, I went in without having any sort of preconceived notions about Prue or Sandy. And I, I love them. I think that they're so fun. Yeah, it moves. I mean, it moves because of money. It always does, doesn't it? The BBC is a a public broadcaster and um, so it doesn't have lots of money and at the start like i said it was a nothing program so and the, the production company weren't a big production company um so it was paid a certain amount and then after they went past a certain contract um, there was a renegotiation and channel four which is also actually partly publicly funded in the uk but still has a lot of extra money uh, just outbid them um so it went wow. and i think yeah people thought 
that it might, with the change of the both presenters and one of the judges, that it might lose its way. But it came, kept the same format. And then it also just brought in brilliant. I mean, Sandy, I love Sandy. Oh my God. I loved your dynamic with Sandy, David. You, st- you two had so many fun little moments that they would cut to. It was so cute. I loved it. I watched Sandy since I was a child because my grandma watched Sandy on TV. And I didn't remember what she was even saying when I was a child. I just loved the fact she laughed. Um, and also my twin brother, I also have a twin brother, like you guys. Um, my twin brother is a doctor, a family doctor, and he was training Sandy's daughter. And so we had that kind of little bond to talk about as well. Oh, how fun. Yes, I, I remember we're in good company. We have a fellow twin here today. Uh, yes. Are you and your brother close? Yes, we're very close. Um, I, th- I don't know. For me, one of the things that helps with our closeness, although um, I think other people have the opposite thing, is that we're not that similar. We have very similar voices, but we're very different. Like even growing up, we were totally different. Like he was a rugby player, I was a ballet dancer. Um, and he loved sciences, <laughs> I loved arts. And so we kind of didn't compete with things. We kind of big, built each other up in the areas we were good at and we didn't compete. Um, and that just that always just meant that he was just like a really close friend of mine. Um, whereas I think I've had some friends who are twins that just were very competitive with each other. How about you guys? Always close. Close. Never competitive, though. In fact, you know, we were raised Catholic, but that's that's we've moved on beyond that. But there's lingering, lingering um, side effects, some might say, of like if one of us would, <laughs> would excel in one way, I think that I would like it. For example, if I was doing really well in in math class, but Connor wasn't, I would feel a strange sense of guilt. Like, oh, I wish Connor could do well, too. Like, it was always a very, like, um, hand-in-hand, like, along the journey type thing. Yes. Good. Dylan, we don't really talk about this much, but you're right. Like, sometimes I would, I would, you know, win something or, I don't know, do so well. And I'd be like, oh, I wish Dylan also could do mm-hmm. well. It was, it was crazy. Why are we like that? Yeah, I think in competing, I would always think that I want to win. But actually, more than anything, I would like Paul to beat me. Aww. Like, it was just always a very strange thing, mm-hmm. like you always kind of had each other's backs and things. That was, oh yeah. I, but it's nice. I kind of feel sorry for anyone that doesn't have a twin. I know. It's such a <laughs> unique experience. Now, we we had a different guest on earlier this year who was a twin, and he shared with us that there is sort of like that um, cosmic connection where you might feel something that's happening to your twin from afar. Have you ever had any of those experiences? I don't know that exactly, but we definitely had those things. You know, when you play those games and kind of, we could just always know what, she, what each other was thinking. Uh-huh. And we could always answer the questions without having to say the words on the card, whatever those kind of games were. Um, and I always remember that was a big thing, but I never knew if that was just because we, we were just, we had to, we shared a bedroom. We spent so much time together that you kind of know each other inside out, don't you? So oh, yeah. um, I, I've never had the cosmic yeah. side of yeah. things though. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, we, we shared a bedroom growing up and everything too. Now your brother is not gay, correct? No, he's not yet. Oh, wow. Okay. I always wanted, you know, I always thought Connor wasn't gay growing up. So that's always interesting. You always say that, but I'm like, Dylan, what? David, did you come out to your brother before anyone else? Or was he kind of like down the line? No, he was down the line. I think in some sense, when I came out, I came out quite late to people in general, because I was brought up in quite a strict evangelical Christian family and okay. um, not unloving, just strict in a religious, mm-hmm. like the religiosity kind of sense of things. And so I grew up with the kind of internalized homophobia, like being probably homophobic myself to other people. Um, and so even when I then decided to come out to some people, it was the people who were like my new friends I'd met at university and things mm-hmm. who were my liberal um 
friends. So it took me a long time to actually come out to people I was really close to kind of from the past, like so family and like really old friends. Oh yeah. Um, and I think it's because I always thought that they would think that I'd been lying to them. When in reality, I'd never, like my personality, one thing as a very young child, I remember saying to myself, um, I'm not going to change what I want to do in life, who I'm going to be in that sense. Uh, hence why I like did ballet dancing in a very small rural town, the only boy. <laughs> um, so I didn't change in that sense. And obviously it was so strange because growing up all the way through school, I was just bullied for being gay and called gay all the time and just just didn't admit it. But yeah, it took a, a long time for me to come out to my brother. And it's one of the stupid things that now I realize after his reaction that I could have just told him a long time before and I've been fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was certainly meant to be the way that it was, you know, your whole journey. But um, I think that's really interesting, too, that that um, you were the only boy ballet dancer. Very Billy Elliot of you. Have you ever seen that movie or musical? Yes, exactly. I'm the original. I'm, that's because that's actually from the same because uh, I'm right on the northeast tip of Yorkshire, which is um, just close to where Billy Elliot's comes from. Oh, my goodness. How funny. So so you're from Yorkshire, correct? Yes. Yes. So is that considered northern? So you're northern? Yes. Yeah, okay. very much. It's one of the one of the northern accents. Yorkshire's massive because it's kind of split into multiple counties, which we call our states. And, and Yorkshire's the biggest one. So okay. it's quite a dominant one. Oh my God, Con and I are so fascinated by all things UK, all things British. So thank you for indulging me in our questions here. <laughs> <laughs> we have this thing, don't we? Like the British are obsessed with the Americans and kind of all the quirks of your culture. And then Americans are often very um, obsessed with the British and mm -hmm. all the quirks of our culture. Oh yeah. Oh, it's so true. Okay, so there's a question we ask all of our guests, and it's usually about the beginnings. You know, we're talking about your past and growing up. We call it a ring of keys moment. It's that moment of recognition when you realized your passion, you know? Oftentimes, we talk to a lot of actors and um, performers who talk about that moment. Maybe it's that first performance they saw. But for you, let's talk about your the moment you realized that you loved baking. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because I think with some things, you experience it for the first time and you realize that love. Whereas you start, for us, in my family, my mum was a brilliant mum and she loved cooking and baking with us all. Um, and so I was baking probably before I have rational thought of <laughs> when that happened. But I, I definitely, I do remember loving it more than my brothers and sisters, even though they really enjoyed it as well. I, I remember that being the thing I wanted to do as like a tiny four-year-old always wanted to bake. But I definitely remember a time when I was about eight years old where it wasn't just about oh, I want to make a cake. It was about, I want to dress up as a waiter and I wanted to look really pretty and I want to kind of style everything as well. Uh, so from such a young age, I was obsessed by food um, like that. I have to say though, I definitely also remember thinking, I never want to have this as a career oh. because I don't want to lose the joy of, I don't want it to become a thing where it becomes a labor um, of like, oh, I've just got to, you got to go to work and do this again. I always wanted it to be a fun thing. Um, like a hobby in my life. That's true. And, and I remember thinking that too, when pursuing a career of like, oh, if I'm studying English all the time or writing, is it going to be something that I like to do that's like gone too far? That's that's such an interesting point. And, and is that maybe why you ultimately went into the healthcare field before Bake Off and everything? Yeah, I don't know. I, I traveled. Um, I traveled to different countries when I was 18. Then I spent four years doing that, uh, working for charities before going to university. And I kind of slipped into everything. I, I love the arts. I did, we have a very strange education, education system in the UK. And the whole last part of my high school, I only did art and design. And then I got onto 
multiple degree programs again and again and again for different arts programs. Um, and then suddenly, I just suddenly decided that I was going to go to university and do health sciences instead, um, just because I wanted to travel more. And I thought this is a good way of being able to travel. But I think I did always think that eventually I would want to do something in food as a major part of my life. I just, I'm not very good at planning. <laughs> I just, I just kind of spiral. I just take things as they come. Oh my goodness. Well, I think that your your breadth of experiences only only all add up to make you so unique and so special. And I think that's why audiences fell in love with you on the Great British Bake Off. You you also have this unique perspective of aren't you you're a you're a bit of a like a health advisor and you love fitness and everything like that as well, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I don't like the fact that food sometimes is, it's too easy to go to the unhealthy. And then people always think of healthy, like healthy has this thing where healthy is a term of kind of something being tasteless <laughs> as well as being good for you. And I disagree with that. I think there's so much, so many things you can do to make a bake more healthy, but actually really, really tasty still. And growing up, my mom was such a hippie. So we ate very healthily, but she was also just such an amazing baker and cook. So our food always tasted amazing. And like all my friends would come over and be so surprised. Like they would love my mom's food and then not realize that it was actually a lot more healthy. Wow. Oh my God. And so your next cookbook is kind of has a healthy angle as well too, right? Yes. Good to eat. It's good to eat because it's good for you. And it's good to eat because it's good food. It's good tasty. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect title. Love it. When is that coming out? In May, right? May in the UK, but in the US, it's coming out in September. I never know why it has to be a different date. Uh, yeah, we'll have to wait a little longer. Yeah, and my kids' book is coming out in the US in September as well. So I'll have both books out in the US. Yay! Oh my, oh my God, I can't wait. I've, I was actually looking, I was doing some research on your, your first cookbook, and I love that it's illustrations and not like the glossy, you know, photos that you see in like food magazines and stuff. Yeah, that was a deliberate thing. People always think that everything's so overly produced. But when I was on Bake Off, um, when I first moved to London, I lived with my friends um, and she uh, was an illustrator and I was encouraging her to do her master's degree in children's book illustration because she'd always dreamt of it and she just wouldn't do it. I'm like, come on, just follow your dreams. And so she did that. Um, and then that's who is the illustrator of my book. When I was oh. on Bake Off, she was pitching ideas to a publisher and she just said, oh, I, I know this person is on Bake Off at the moment. And they had been waiting for a long time to do uh, my first cookbook. And they really wanted a man instead of a woman to be the author, because it's usually always women and mums. Um, and so it just worked perfectly. That was before I'd even finished Bake Off. I'd already got that book deal. Oh, my goodness. I love that. Yeah, I think the when you see these fancy, glossy photos, it's really tough, especially for the adults who are cooking with the kids to think, oh, they're going to be disappointed. It's not going to look like this photo at the end. Whereas when it's an illustration, um, it can be more fun and there's not as much pressure for it to look a certain way at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Will Will your next cookbook have illustrations or will it be more of the professionally done photos? Because this, this will be more angled at adults, right? Yes. That one will yeah. have more photos, but I've got a second kids book coming out as well. And just signed for the third one. And they're all illustrated. David, you're so booked and busy. You've got all these, you know, plates spinning at once. That's, it's really amazing to see, you know, you taking your platform from Bake Off and really using it to meld your passions and really keep moving forward in life. You know, I think that's amazing. Yeah, it's tough. I think there's there's opportunities that come and I still love my work. So I still work three days a week um, for the international development charity that I uh, work for. So I still do that. Um, And so it does mean that there's a lot of extra work, but then also my partner, um, he does a lot of my work. I don't know how to do social media and he works in marketing (laughs) for Nike. So 
I have to say, Nick does most of anything you see on my social media. I'm there, but all the technical yeah. side, he's the one doing it. Oh, how fun. And we, we've got to talk about Nick. He is so gorgeous. How did you guys meet? Uh, actually, it was online dating. Um, when I first, when I came to London, I just moved from Malawi, rural Malawi in Southern Africa. Um, and so I arrived back to London and my friends were like, you've got to do online dating. I'd never really heard of it. Um, and so I started it and I didn't even know how to do it properly. I kind of just let people message me. And then Nick was the very first person I ever messaged. After a year and a half of being on the platform, I finally decided to look myself and find someone instead of going on these disastrous states of people finding me. Um, <laughs> and he was, so I just spent so long researching and I obviously just found the, the perfect person. Oh my God, how fun. I love, I literally love that. And now you guys are engaged. Yes, and everyone thinks he's American. He's got such, he learned his English by um, listening, like watching American TV. So he just sounds totally American. He doesn't sound Bulgarian at all. Oh my oh, goodness! How funny. I don't think I've heard him speak before. Maybe he spoke on Bake Off, but I can't remember. Yeah, I think he did. I could, he only had a he only had a small part. Yeah, <laughs> the kiss the kiss was more important. Oh my! Yes, the kiss, which I loved to see. I mean, it's not. I, I feel like there aren't many openly gay reality competition stars that, on such a scale that you see. Like that was so powerful to end the end the whole series on that note. That was just. I mean, it me- means a lot to me. So I know it means a lot to thousands and thousands of other young gay people you know yeah we don't know about that that's the, the edit so it's what's amazing i don't think people realize like it's the same with drag race and all these things they have ten, like, hundreds of hours of footage of all the contestants and although these programs seem like they're quite long on tv it's only a small amount of footage that's used um, and so you don't know what the edit's going to be mm. um, and so watching it when it gets transmitted is just as interesting for you you might know like who won that week, but you don't know how they're going to show it. Um, and I had no idea that they would feature. In fact, I remember watching the final and thinking, just when it was the kind of celebration bits when I'd won, thinking, oh, they missed a bit where Nick can give me a kiss. Oh, that's fine. And then it, I just didn't, had no idea they would show it right at the end. But Bake Off is quite good. It's, I it was the first year that they quite explicitly allowed us to um, be open about our sexuality, I think. Because I, because also you wear your outfits each week and you have to ask them what you're allowed to wear. Um, and Uh-oh. one of the weeks I wore an equality t-shirt and it took a while for them to agree, but I think it took three weeks. So I, was, I had to keep on staying in just so I could wear this t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the t-shirt. And then I wore a rainbow t-shirt. Yeah. Yes. We have to, so I, they're quite good at allowing that on Bake Off. God, I love your fashions. I, we actually, a friend of ours, Isaac, asked us to ask you. So it's filmed over two days uh, each weekend, right? So do you... You wear the same outfit for both days of filming, just for continuity throughout the episode. Do you like have two of the same outfit? Like, what's the story there? It depends. You really, it's 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 really different to other TV shows because you don't have hair and makeup, um, and you don't have wardrobe like the the presenters do and the judges, but mm-hmm. we don't. We really do just turn up in what we have, and we have to send our outfits in advance only because they don't want to have it where suddenly half the tent is wearing pink t-shirts. They need to make sure everyone's wearing different colors. Um, and it depends. It's up to you. Like if you've got a more expensive shirt, you're probably only going to have one of them. But if you're just going for a color block t-shirt that's cost you a couple of dollars, then yeah, maybe you'll have two okay. uh, for each day. Uh, but no, it, it doesn't smell great. Like the, <laughs> the TV always makes it look so good. But after a day of sweating in the kitchen you do just go back and maybe you're going to use a, a wet wipe and that's it. Uh-huh. Oh my God. And I, I, I'm shocked there aren't like pit stains on everybody. Like that, it's, 
I mean, granted, I've only seen the one series. And from what I understand, <laughs> it, you normally there are series where it's like ungodly hot and things go wrong because of that as like an element. Oh my God, that's some of my favorite Bake Off drama when it's like, of course it's the week you have to make ice cream and it is like boiling hot outside and there's always such controversy. People are like, oh my God, it's not setting. It's crazy. It's thrilling to watch. I mean, obviously very stressful if you're in the tent, you know? Yeah, they don't they don't control the environment at all. And actually our year, we didn't even have a caramel week because the year before it had been such a disaster. <laughs> and I think they thought it was just going to get hotter and hotter. But actually our year, we would arrive in the tent in the morning and turn our ovens on full blast and open them because it was so cold in the tent. Wow. So we only had one week that was really a heat wave. Um, the rest of the time, yeah, it was okay for us. But yeah, I think it you, you don't get to control the heat. And believe me, people do not smell nice and the clothes do not stay <laughs> fresh. They just look, they just look good on yeah. TV. You all look so fresh. I mean, I don't think there was anybody on your season that that I would have thought otherwise, but I did have a question about like the process. So obviously you, we, as the audience see like these beautiful renderings of what the bake is going to be. And you hear Santi's lovely narration and how often, like how, in, how far in advance do you get the assignments? Is it like the Sunday night before the week or? No. So you do, it's a really intense application. So you, you apply and you go through all these rounds of auditions and things and having to give all these things. And there's one of the rounds you actually go and they film you like a technical bake. Um, and so you've got cameras on you and you've got, you just turn up the recipe over and you've got to do it. Um, and then it gets to the point where you find out if you're on the show or not, although not for me, because I found out that I wasn't on the show and I was just a reserve. Um, and at that point, they then give you wreaths for the recipes for the first kind of eight weeks uh, but they give you they give you the briefs and then you've got to hand that brief in the next week. But they've also given you the next one and that's got to be handed in the week after. And they keep on staggering them across. And it's quite intense. That's that's probably the most intense part of the whole show because you're still working your job, um, but you're also having to research this and practice it and do it and then send it into them as a fully worked up recipe. And it's got to be all your own ideas. So it is a little bit advanced. And one of the reasons is it is only one illustrator um, who does all those illustrations. So he needs a bit of time to be able to prepare. Um, but yeah, it that is a very intense period, kind of the the recipe production time. Wow, I can only imagine. I For some reason, I had always thought maybe you, it's like Drag Race where they tell all the queens, like, okay, these are like vaguely what the themes will be at the beginning. And then they have a couple weeks to put all their looks. To, we've had, we had um, Jackie Cox and Alexis Michelle on on the podcast and they were kind of talking about how they had i can't remember if they talked about it on the pod or off the pod this is drama but how <laughs> how they you know had like because jackie was jackie was a reserve as well, as well. she mm-hmm. was a reserve and she was telling us that she only had a few weeks to put together all of her looks and they knew everything right before they even got to the workroom so i always wondered that about bake-off yeah we're definitely not meant to say these things we sign all kinds of NDAs. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but i've said it so many times and no one's ever said anything to me but they do try and keep a bit of the mystery but I think it's a, I mean, some of the, it's so interesting, some of the process parts, but yeah, we do know, know in advance, but often like for me, for example, because I was a reserve as well, my first recipes for the first couple of weeks, I just made them up. They weren't real recipes. So when they then told me, oh, actually, they had never used a reserve before. I was the first reserve they'd ever had. Oh, wow. And weirdly, Alice was also a reserve. Oh. And um, so we were both used and then we both got through to the final. But yeah, when they, when they called me up, to be a reserve, I my condition was okay. I'll say yes as long as you let me go back and change the recipe oh, yeah. the week one and two because they were not real. <laughs> so that I, I had even less time then to try and throw those together. And I think my first cake that I did that was the snakes, right? 
Yeah, that was done like the day before. I never did a proper, I never even practiced that cake properly. Oh my God. Um, so yeah, I was a bit, I was, I was someone that did less practice than everyone else. That's for sure. Well, David, you're so brilliant and so talented. And I think I just, what I admire most was your, your sense of cool composure throughout all of it. You always had a smile on your face and I never saw you sweat. Like, I mean, there were other contestants towards the end. I mean, like we saw Steph kind of crack and whatnot, but you always just had a great attitude. And I know that everyone's different, but I think that's why you ultimately took it home in the end. You you just were so consistent and so smart with everything you did. Yeah, I think 20,000 people apply for Bake Off and at least 5,000 of them can bake really well. I mean, you see their Instagrams. And the difference of something like Bake Off, and I guess it must be similar to going on Drag Race, it's the pressures of um, doing things in front of cameras and then also uh, particularly for Bake Off it's not about being a good baker it's about being able to do things fast because all they do is give you bakes that anyone can do and then say you've got half the time to do it Mm. and so it's and then also as things go wrong like it's thinking it's having your brain to think okay if this turns out as 80% of what I wanted that's fine whereas for some people that then seems a disaster and then everything spirals and it's terrible so Yeah. (laughs) yeah I think my the thing that benefited me was the fact that I'm quite a chilled out person. I work very fast as well. And probably yeah. understand you're you're a bit more of a hippie and a little bit more laid back than we even saw on the series as well. Yeah, definitely. It, it's really interesting the way a TV show works, isn't it? Because you're a character. Like I watched the edit afterwards and I have no issue with my edit and the character they portrayed me as, but it's not like the full me. <laughs> I am I'm probably quite a different person than people would get if they just were watching uh, the Bake Off show. Oh, how interesting. That always fascinates me. I, I watch a lot of reality TV, to be honest with you. Um, you guys, do you guys have the Housewives in England? The Real Housewives? They had a series called Ladies of London for a little while. Yeah, and we've got the American... We, I mean, everyone watches all the American shows as well. All the American yeah. shows, yeah. Yeah, but I watch that and I watch like The Bachelor and all these different reality shows. And it's interesting to hear people talk about how, yes, that was me, but they need characters for a sh- It's a TV show too. So they need to have their... They can't have everyone being the same you know they had to tell a story which is it just fascinates me so much oh my gosh yeah and i think some people really struggle with it because they certain shows the thing about bake-off is you can never complain people do complain but you shouldn't complain because they're doing a tv show you're going on a tv show you're going to be a character but they make everyone nice you're a nice character because it's a lovely tv show I would be terrified to be on one of those shows where you know they're either going to pick you as the villain or the really Mm -hmm. nice one and not know if you're going to then suddenly, you know, they're going to twist the edit to be vilified. And so, yeah, I think there's there's no complaints with the way Bake Off do it at all because you're always a lovable character. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and the, the group that was with you on your series, are you all still close? Do you keep in touch with a lot of the other bakers? Yes, uh, we were a particularly close group. I think the producers found it quite annoying because we would actually help each other, bring each other and give each other tips. I mean, Henry came to my house and practiced my semi-final bait. I didn't even practice it because I was too busy working. Oh uh, so we were very close. Uh, I love Elena, the spooky baker, oh and we speak every single day. She oh. is crazy. I thought she went too <laughs> soon. I thought that she had a little bit more to show. I was surprised that she went in that double. She went in the double. Yes, both, both Michelle and Elena definitely had more to give like i thought they were going all the way i love michelle as well oh my god i love it i wish i could like ask you about all my favorite 
bake off people, but I'm not going to suck up all your time. We're talking about that. But my question is, I mean, you won the series. Your life has changed. Would you ever do like a Bake Off All-Stars if they offered it to you? Or? You have no idea. I have spoken to the producer of Love Productions who produce Bake Off. And I have been firing these ideas. And it's always basically just what Drag Race has done already. Yeah. You just say, come on, do it for Bake Off. And the thing is, you don't want there to be bake-off fatigue. Like a, a format can get style, uh, stale if they, if they don't kind of continue changing it. And a bake-off international all-stars, because bake-offs in lots of different countries, um, and international all-stars would be so much fun. The only thing people say is that it would be quite harsh because some of the people, drag race, you can be any kind of drag um, superstar and you can go on to drag race. For bake-off, you have to be an amateur. And actually, someone that won 10 years ago and then has gone on to do lots of food-related things for the next 10 years might be at a slightly different standard than those of us who won more recently. Um, so it could be difficult, but I think people just enjoy the fun side of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you guys do, like, holiday reu- like specials and whatnot, too, so... Yeah, they're great. They're fun, but... The stakes are low for those. Yeah, they could be. They could definitely crank up the pressure with some all-stars. Get me cry. I need to cry. You need to break me. I yes. know, I know. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Wait, speaking of Drag Race UK, tonight's the final. Yes, it is. This has been such, I mean, having Drag Race UK and Drag Race US on at the same time has just been a joy at this time. Oh yeah. And Nick is, my partner now is sleeping with his fever just so that he's got enough energy to really enjoy Drag Race UK final tonight. Oh my goodness. Who do you have winning? Well, I love Lawrence Cheney. Me too. But I do think Bimini is going to take it. I think so too. It's funny because I was I I liked Bimini, but it was right after they came back from the break in filming that I was like, ride or die. I am gagged for Bimini. Like need her to win. Like have not rode this hard for a drag race queen in so long. Kind of vibe. Like I am obsessed with her. I think I read that she has like the most followers of any of the drag race girls in the UK. Yes. Yeah. She and it's exactly like you said. I was so impressed. Like. She came back because they had that break for seven months because of COVID. And she came back so positive. And I think conversely, Lawrence, it was actually really horrible to see how he'd kind of been depressed and put on lots of weight and uh, was struggling in those. And like, it seemed to, he seemed to lose loads of self-esteem and, and things and really get inside his head. Um, whereas Bimini, like you say, it just, that break. But it also seemed like she went away very positively to think, what can I do better? And she kind of, took the experience she'd already had and thought, because she was lip syncing in the first week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Elena from My Series of Bake Off, we do a review every single week after Bake Off. And and Elena picked Bimini from day one. I love that. I know, I love Lawrence. And you can tell Rue loves Lawrence too. And maybe that got into Lawrence's head a little bit. Like, you know, oh my God, Rue literally starts laughing before I even say a word. You know, Rue will just say my name and start laughing. And I think Lawrence does have such star quality. I wish that she, it was translating better into like some of the comedy challenges, you know? The nice thing about Drag Race, I think, from what I've seen, is that it kind of, you can go out in week one and you can be a star afterwards. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes I find it a bit sad with Bake Off because there's a lot of people who are a bit bitter and twisted after Bake Off because they think they're going to become a star and think opportunities don't follow. Um, Whereas Drag Race, I feel like it has such a positive impact on people's career almost no matter what, there are the few drag queens that are the exception to the rule, Um, but almost no matter what. And like Lawrence Cheney, I mean, they've been brilliant anyway, but is a star in the UK. So I don't think it really matters who wins tonight. All of those finalists are going to be like incredibly known in the UK. Oh my God. 
Totally. I mean, even even like middle of the pack girls, like like I fell in love with Tia Coffee, even though I don't love her drag necessarily, her personality, so funny. Her humor, she's just, yeah, I'm exactly the same. I was like, oh dear girl, like sort those outfits out. But <laughs> her as a person, she's my favorite of all of the, um, of like maybe one of the, my favorite drag queens ever, Tia Coffee. Like, and her exit was like the most intelligent, brilliant, funny exit mm-hmm. ever. Didn't she say, are you sure? Or that was she- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, she's great. It. Wait, so, okay, see, so, so, so I'm just kind of curious, like, what is like your type of queen? Like, who is your favorite from all the different series across the board? Ah, oh, it's so tough. I, I'm always very impressed with the fashion queens, like the look that someone can turn out. However, I don't think I really have an area that I love the most because I love the comedy queens. I love it when someone does really well in challenges and stays really positive. I really like Evie Oddly all the way through her um, season. Um, I love Trixie Mattel. I, mm. I mean, Trixie Mattel does YouTube videos of just doing the same makeup look again and again, and I just keep on watching them. I cannot stop watching them. Oh, yeah. Trixie's amazing. Who else? I, I love Jackie Cox. Jackie Cox um, just seems like one of the most genuine people in and out of drag. Like such, I like the people you can see that are just genuinely beautiful human beings as yes. well. Yes. Oh, I yeah. love Jackie. She, she came on our podcast last fall and like, like you said, so genuine, so nice. Spent time with us beforehand, afterwards, trying to make sure the sound was great, like, and has continued to, you know, help us and support us in our endeavors. So oh, yeah. that is always cool to see. Oh my God, you know what? You were talking about Bake Off people who are gone too soon. And Dylan was like obsessed with Jamie from your series. Oh my God. Dylan, he's going to be on, well, it already aired in the UK, but he's on like the holiday one this year, right? He is so cute. Another twin, another twin right there. Oh my God. I was like, stay around just so I can watch you bake. And (laughs) like, there was just something about him. I mean, I am happily in a five year relationship with my boyfriend Hunter, but Jamie is my type all the way. Just like a blonde. Oh my God. Love. He really is. He was such a lovely guy as well. I was so impressed how, because they obviously played him as a character. Yeah. um, But he was very, very emotionally intelligent. And for such a young guy um, and so funny, like he was one of the people that just like brought all of the all of our baking group together from week one. He was like one of the people who was the glue. Oh my gosh, I love it. I love it so much. Okay, wait, really quick, before we move on to our final segment, I need to ask David, what was your engagement with Nick like? <laughs> it was, yeah, it was very special. I think Nick, I'd never wanted to get married necessarily, mainly because of the religious side of like my upbringing. I just thought, I just thought, I don't care about having something that was very much been a religious thing. Um, and then also, it's just like a legal thing. I was like, I, I, I can just, I don't have to have bits of paper or um, a religious event to tell me that I love someone. But <clears throat> I also was quite happy to get married if the person I fell in love with wanted to get married. And Nick made it clear that he did. And he also made it clear very early in our relationship that I would be the one um, proposing <laughs> that it's not going to be him. And so I then let him sweat because I waited a year and a half from him telling me that. Um, and I wanted to do it. We were going to be going to a place in Greece and we had booked to go and then I had to get cancelled because of Bake Off because it was in week five of Bake Off and I managed to stay on. And so then we rearranged it and it was cancelled again because of COVID. Um, and so we had then had a trip to Bulgaria because I've got family that live in Bulgaria and Nick's family does as well. So we decided to go to Bulgaria to visit family. And so I planned it to be up a mountain, a very rural mountain. And he was not expecting it. Uh, and the ring was really nice because the ring was designed by one of his friends and then made by one of his other friends. Um, and he oh. had no idea about the ring. 
So it was, yeah, it was very special and very, it's been very exciting. It kind of now feels like I need to get some energy to actually go into the marriage bit now because the engagement seemed like so much energy for me. <laughs> You're like, Nick, now I did this part. You can handle the rest. You can plan everything else. Like, <laughs> go for it. Exactly. Do you think you'll bake or make anything for your own wedding? Why would I though? I've got a whole set of bakers who are my friends who can who can take that. <laughs> just just that relax, on. relax and let it all let it all happen. But I did have another question for you that my boyfriend's grandma asked me to ask you. Are Paul's eyes really that blue? Yeah, they are. And I'm sure I'm sure TV dials it up somehow, but his eyes are very, very blue. If you if you stand in the light, um, they're exactly like that, yes. Wow. Oh, uh, remarkable. Oh my god. You know, there's a there's a there's a, a squadron of uh, Paul Hollywood gays out there who who love them. They Paul. really do. <laughs> I know. I, I can't yep. say I can't say <laughs> I'm one of them. But um, anyway, he plays he plays a great role on the show. But I'm not really like into Paul. You know. Okay. So as we are sadly wrapping up. We like to end on a dose of drama. It could be something you want to rant about, rave about, a pop culture recommendation to share, truly anything on your mind still from the pod at all. And I'm ready to share mine. So go for it. Wait, I was going to talk about one thing, but I think I want to talk about something else. Um, We just binge watched It's a Sin, the show. David, have you watched It's a Sin? Yes. Yeah. Literally, it wrecked me. It was so good but so (laughs) sad i honestly didn't really know much about how the aids crisis affected people in london and it it was just amazing the acting was beautiful the cinematography was great the music was unbelievable the casting my my runaway favorite from the show was jill she was seriously heaven sent i mean what an amazing woman and i heard that she was based on a real person and the real person that she was based on played her mother on the show oh wow yes and so everyone who hasn't seen it's a sin it's in the u.s on hbo max now i don't know where you can watch it in the uk but um it is seriously so good oh my god the first the first two episodes are like I would totally watch again. The other three are like awfully sad, but extremely real and just amazing. It really showed me like, oh my God, we don't have enough TV shows about LGBTQ people at all. I mean, fictional or otherwise, you know, it it was just, it was so amazing. Literally loved it. And it was a fight for the writer, Russell T. Davis. He wrote um, Queer as Folk. He was the original writer for Queer as Folk. And he wrote It's a Sin and he had it ready for a long time. And it took a long time for a TV production company to say, yes, I'll go with that. Oh my goodness, wow. Well, speaking of TV, my dose of drama is that I am getting to start rallying for a UK version of Queer Eye. I'm not sure if you've watched it, David. And you will be the Anthony, so we've all already got you. I feel like Rylan Clark will find his way into the show in some way. I don't know which which role he'll have. And I, I have yet to cast the other three, I mean, Tan could always come over and just do it because, you know, he's British and already. And What about like a drag race girl could do like the fashion side of it? Like a drag race queen. Oh, yeah. That would be so fun. Like a horror? Not Tia Coffee. <laughs> no, not Tia. <laughs> Dylan, this is brilliant. You've got an amazing idea on your hands. I know. And I, I won't I won't ask for royalties. I just want it to happen. So I'm putting it out into the universe, David. This is this is your next David, have thing. you met Anthony? I would love that too. Have you met Anthony? No, but Tan is a massive super fan of Bake Off. And we chat on Instagram. He is so, so nice. But I would love to meet Anthony slash steal his job. <laughs> you, <laughs> <know>, right? <laughs> you almost feel like the British successor to Anthony. I know he came out when he was like late 20s and 
I don't know, famous for a reality show with a cooking twist to it. I really see the parallels. It's crazy. Love it. David, do you have a dose of drama? Yeah, I've got one actually that I've done a lot of reading in lockdown. And it's one that's a book that is going to be made into a TV show as well. And it won the Booker Prize and is a Scottish author, um, but he lives in New York. And it's a book called Shuggy Bane. Uh, and it's about a, it's just it's a book about a queer young boy and it's absolutely heartbreaking but beautiful and amazing and when it gets made into a tv uh, series it's going to be even better or maybe i can't remember if it's going to be a tv series or a film um but don't wait that don't wait for that read the book it is incredible oh my god oh my god well i i need to read it i'm reading um actually have it right here normal people right now did you watch this when it was on hulu yes oh my god yes. i'm obsessed with paul meskel but um i'm reading this now and so i'll be i'm tearing through it so i'll definitely it's called shuggy bane you said shuggy bane yeah douglas stewart is the author yeah he's a scottish man that now lives in new york okay all right well i'm gonna have to get i it. love that recommendation i love that recommendation oh my god are we twins we both were like i love that recommendation <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Well, David, thank you so much for joining us for this thrilling episode of drama. It has seriously been so lovely to chat with you. You were everything I hoped you'd be in more. It's been a delight speaking to you. And because you are twins, how could I say no? It's been so good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it means the world. Everyone who isn't following you yet, obviously should. Um, you're on Instagram and Twitter as Nomad Baker David. Yes, correct. Yeah. What in, what inspired the name, the social media name? Uh, I have spent a lot of time living and traveling in other countries, and I always thought I would never settle down. So I was always a bit of a nomad. So I did that also because I had loads of other ideas. First, they were all taken, and I wanted one that would fit on both <laughs> platforms. So that's the combination that finally worked. I was like, okay, go with that. Oh my god! Well, you are the Nomad Baker always and forever. We adore you. We cannot thank you enough for doing this. Um, and of course, everyone who isn't yet, maybe some new listeners, um, follow us at The Drama Podcast. Follow me at Dylan McDowell and Connor at Connor McDowell. David, we love you. We hope you heal up quickly. And Connor, we'll see you next time. Drama! Drama.